Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So um, didn't know if you know, but um, January 25th is National Opposite Day. And so I don't know uh, for, your, for you, but for us, uh, that's kind of like what the kids do is their last ditch effort to get out of trouble. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm so sorry. You're like, oh, really? It's opposite day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice try. So, um, but anyway, you're supposed to do things on opposite day. Like uh, you're supposed to call in sick from work and then show up anyway. Or as you uh, see people just say uh, goodbye. And um, so you give it a try. But I found, I was reminded of two old clips. One was SpongeBob, which I'm not going to show, but he had opposite day ones. And then the other one, which I am going to show, is from uh, Seinfeld, the old show here, where um, George decides that the only way that his life is going to get any better is if he just does the exact opposite of everything that he's done. So let's see George's opposite day. My entire life has been wrong. is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's up and wrong. <laughs> Do not toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. <laughs> I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad on rye. <laughs> with a side of potato salad and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. You know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna because salmon swim against the current and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. Uh, George, you know that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to her. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes, I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria, hi. Out for us, huh? So um, I want to let you know as we're uh, coming into this year and uh, we're launching our new uh, series, and this is our theme for the year, Overflowing, um, I got a question for you, and that is, are you ready for opposite year? And uh, what I mean by that is uh, that the world around you is freaking out. 
They're full of strife, full of worry, full of fear, full of anger. And God has something different for you this year. So God has peace. He has victory. He has power. He has joy. So the world, you know, we're out there, they're just out there thinking, okay, we just got to survive this, right? We just got to make it through. Listen, it's not, it's not for you. If you're in him, it's not just surviving this year. It's thriving in this year. And I believe it goes beyond thriving and it's actually overflowing in this year. That's what I believe God is calling those who are in him. That's what God is calling his church to do is to flow out in amazing, powerful ways. Last year, our theme was, it was gritty. It was forward. And we went went and we were like, okay, we're going to keep moving. We're not going to stop. And you did an amazing job. And God did beautiful things through you. But this year, I think it goes way beyond just going forward. It goes to overflowing where you're going to flow out. And we're going to be so full that we just flow. And I want you to expect Expect to be a balm of healing for people who are in pain. Expect to be solace for those who don't know where to go. Expect to be hope. See, I think this is the year more than ever where people are going to ask you for the reason for the hope that you have. So be ready to give an answer. You're going to flow out this next year in amazing ways, full of joy, filled with joy. William Wordsworth wrote a poem. It was called Surprised by Joy. C.S. Lewis actually took that as a title for his autobiography. And if you've read the poem, it starts out with this exuberance. And Wordsworth, it's actually, he probably wrote it right after two of his children died. And he has this moment, he says, surprised by joy. So unexpectedly, he was feeling joy. But then actually, the rest of the poem just gets worse and darker because it says, and the next thing it is, I turned to share the joy with you, but you were gone and you were in the grave. And then you see the sorrow just kind of rising up and taking away. And by the end of the poem, there's no more joy. He's just crushed. And I got to tell you, it has been the exact opposite for me in Jesus. That sorrow has come. And it hits me like, oh, but then all of a sudden in the midst of it, there's this peace. There's joy that rises up. And I have been surprised by joy in the midst of difficulty. Expect to be surprised by joy no matter what comes. And joy is just, it's assurance that no matter what we go through, he is going with us. It's trusting through the pain, knowing that there's purpose in the midst of trial. It's to say, I'm going down this road. I'll tell you, that's where I found so much of my joy. Is I've just decided I am going down this road to eternal life. That is my destination. That is my goal. That is my focus. I'm bringing as many people as I can with me. I want to give it as much life out there as I can as I go. But I am going down that road. And highs are going to come and lows are going to come. But in the midst of it, I have joy. And this world cannot crush your resolve. And if it can, then you need to reorder and reprioritize what you're living for. But I'm going down the road. And the more I choose that path with him, the more I say, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to walk with you whatever comes, the more I hold on to joy. No problem is going to take it away. Now, listen, we're not going to have a problem-free life. Matthew 5, 45, Jesus says, the rain is going to come, and it comes on the wicked, and it comes on the just. Those who love God and those who don't know God are going to have problems. And difficulties are going to be here. But this year, expect in the midst of them to be surprised by his joy. And this is a year 
of overflowing rather than lack, where we have protection from above and we have light within and we have overflowing coming from without. I want to bring you to uh, our primary passage that we're using for this theme, and it's 2 Kings 4, and I've been in this since uh, September. I believe God brought this to me to share with you at this time. And it's 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now, it's an interesting time in the history of Israel. So Elijah has left, and Elisha is now the prophet. And Israel's in a bunch of trouble. Like the old golden years of Solomon and David, they're long gone, and there's all these kings that for the most part are just turning from God and the people are turning from God. And Israel has uh, wars and rumors of wars. There's actually, if you look in the uh, passages next to this, there's some serious supply chain issues that they're having. Uh, There's actually some uh, pandemic going on with leprosy and just a lot of disarray. And then here we have this little story just right in the middle of it. And and let's look and begin. I'm gonna read the whole account to you in 2 Kings 4 verse one. And it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. So if you couldn't pay your debts, that's what happened is you would go into slavery to work them off. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another. But he replied, there is not another left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, I want to start with verse five, where Elijah says, go in and shut the door. And then she goes in and she shuts the door behind her. And I think it's significant because what we see in all this public peril, we see private protection. We see God say, okay, now just shut the door, go into your home, and I'm going to take care of you. I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to see that. That in the midst of the peril around us, the public peril, expect private protection. Expect God to meet you in your home, to take care of you, where you shut the door and you get quiet before him and he comes and he changes things. We had a prayer vigil last week at 24 hours of prayer. It was so cool watching people. Just There were probably about three or four people in there every hour just praying around the clock. And my shift was at uh, 10 o'clock and, and I came in and I was ready for battle. I was like, all right, I'm going to pray for this church. I'm going to pray for this world. And, uh, so many requests and I was just kind of excited to get in there and start praying. But then uh, Chris was leading worship there and, and as he's playing, something happened and I sat down and I couldn't pray about anything. And I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I'm telling you, I, I could barely even speak. I just got on my knees and I was just weeping before him and I, just, I was just soaking him in and I, I had the elements for communion before me and it was, I don't know, the weight of it. I was just thinking what Jesus had done and, and what that represented and what it meant and I couldn't even take it. I just sat there holding it and of course, God in his mercy says, no, you, you come into communion with me. And so I spent a whole hour doing that and, and I had to actually stay for another hour to get to the praying because I, I was just overwhelmed by soaking Jesus in the midst of it. 
And see, I came in and I was like, okay, I'm pastor. I'm ready to go be pastor. I'm ready to do my thing. And God said, no, no, no. Your son. You're my son. Come here. I just want to fill you. I just want you to, to breathe me in. You see, and that's where we find the overflowing. As we go into our room, we go into our closet and we shut the door. And you're not mother, you're not father, you're not employer, you're not business owner, you're not whatever it is, student. You're just son. You're just daughter. Come and breathe me in, drink me in. I want to fill you so you can be poured out. And I love this, this section of scripture here because there's a series of these private miracles, these personal, thoughtful things that God does as the rest of the world is going crazy. There's a woman who can't have kids and, and Elijah prays, or Elisha prays for her and she has a child. And then this next account, it's just crazy. They're eating a stew. All the prophets are eating a stew and it's no good. In fact, uh, one of the prophets yells out, there's death in the pot, which I'm gonna try with Gina next time I don't wanna eat what she brings. What do you think, hon? There's death in the pot, babe. I can't have this. <clears throat> and then so Elisha puts some flour in there and God makes it edible. This strange miracle. And then what I think is probably the least essential miracle in the entire Bible. Like, I don't understand why God does it. So this guy is chopping a tree and an ax head goes flying off the ax and it goes in the middle of the water and it sinks down. And the guy says, oh, it was borrowed. What am I going to do? And Elisha puts some wood in the water and the ax floats to the top of the water and they pick it out. And I'm like, why couldn't he just go jump in the water and get it? And you know what it is? Because God is making it really clear to them, and it needs to be really, really clear to you that he cares about these little things in your life, even when the world's going crazy, even in supply chain issues and pandemics, crazy politics, that you close that door and he cares about your stew, and he cares about your acts, and he cares about these little things. And it's so important that you and I right now, we have to get a hold of the importance of our private connection with God. We just get quiet and still before him. Mark 6, 31, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, then, because so many people, if you want to bring that slide up, please, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now there's two things that are going on at this time. And so right before that, we see that Jesus sent out the 12 and that they were doing amazing things. And they were casting out demons and they were healing people and they were, they were presenting the gospel and God is moving. And then right after that, we see that John the Baptist dies. He's killed by Herod's wife. Now you have to remember that two of those 12 disciples were actually disciples of John the Baptist first. So this is a personal loss that they have. And so here they are, they have this mountaintop experience, they have this great grief, and what does Jesus say? He says, come, just come with me. Come to a quiet place and just get some rest. See, the, the more pressure and the more difficulty and the more crazy things go on, what the world does is they start grabbing, they start pushing, they start yelling, and they get more and more angry, but not us, it's opposite for us. Actually, the worse it gets, the crazier it gets, the more pressure you feel, the more important it is for you to sit down, shut the door, and be still. Just drink him in. Be his son. Be his daughter. 
Spend time with him and draw near to him. You know, when I was at the vigil, there were actually the exact same two things were happening to me. And one was I was coming off of a high of like Christmas Eve was just so powerful and God had touched so many people and we had a great New Year's celebration. And then I was also personally grieving for a friend of mine who I had lost, COVID. And I go in there all ready to battle and God just says, no, come here. Just be quiet. Just be still before me right now. I just want you to be my son. You know what? That's what he wants first. He just wants you. We come in there, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do my thing. He says, no, not yet. We'll take care of that. Let's do the important things first. Come away with me. Be quiet. Drink me in. Because what do you have to overflow if you're not bringing him in? So the oil pours and the oil keeps pouring. Now in this passage, in this context, oil is food, it's lighting, it's commerce. But as you look at the rest of scripture, what is oil? It's anointing, right? So whenever there's a priest, they would take oil, not just a little bit, and they would pour it down and it would run all over his body, his head. And what that says is the spirit of God is with you now. So oil in scripture often symbolizes the Holy Spirit, his healing, his power for change, his work in the midst of it. And so Elisha says, well, what do you got? She's like, nothing. All I have is a little, little bit of oil. Oh, that's enough. I can use that. I can multiply that. And isn't it amazing when we take what we have, the little that we have, and we consecrate it to God, and we say, okay, Lord, here, by your Holy Spirit, do something with that. He'll take our five loaves, and he'll take our two fishes, and he'll feed thousands of people. Or he'll take Moses. What does he have? He's got a stick. And he takes the stick, and he'll part the waters with a stick. Or he'll take this little bit of oil and he'll take care of all of her debts and feed her beyond that. And I love in verse three where he says, now go borrow vessels everywhere from all your neighbors. And the King James and NASB, it says, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. Empty vessels. Elisha says, listen, something is getting ready. It's gonna happen here. Get ready. Something's coming. And how do we do it? Empty vessels. You want God to move in your life overflowing? The first thing that has to happen is we have to empty ourselves. We have to be ready to receive. Okay, Lord, pour in your oil. But you can't have a bunch of crusty milk down in the bottom of the vessel. You put that oil in, it's not gonna work. And God says, get that stuff out of there. Jesus talks about it. If you want new wine, you need new wineskins. You gotta clean that out. It's gotta be ready to receive what I wanna pour into you. Second Corinthians Chapter four, Paul talks about this whole idea of vessels. Second Corinthians 4, 6, it says, so for God, who said, light, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. What treasure? That's that light of Christ within us in jars of clay these earthen broken vessels to show that this all surpassing power that is within you, that's within me, that overflows in our lives, it is from God and it is not from us. So you and I are carrying light from him. And so we say, Lord, empty me so I can be filled with you. Clear out my ego, clear out my pride, clear out my expectations, clear out the way that I wanna do it. 
clear out my wisdom and my insight. And here I am, Lord. I'm ready to receive the Holy Spirit's oil and fill me to overflowing. Lord, and we did it. So I'm just so glad we did this at communion today where we come before him and say, okay, Lord, what sin is in the way? Because it can't mix with your holy oil. Let's get this out of here. What fears, what expectations are in the way of what you want to do? Lord, I want what you want. I want to do what you do. I lay my weights down. I empty myself, Lord, and say, fill me to overflowing. And so here's a great prayer if you want to go into your closet, if you want to shut the door and you want to have that quiet moment with God, it's just to come and say, Lord, what's in the container that's in the way of your oil? What am I holding right now that just won't mix with what you want to do? You know one of the things that God revealed to me? So this last week, um, I've been fasting all media. Just put my phone away, turn it off, didn't turn it on for seven days, didn't turn on the TV, didn't look at news. And I am amazed. I, I had no idea how addicted I am to my phone. I'm absolutely addicted to it. And every time I have a free moment, I don't, even, I don't even like it, but I just start looking at it like, oh, I'm bored now. I can't be bored. I can't ever be bored, right? And usually what I did, there's two news sites and there's one news site I agree with and one news site I disagree with. And I go to both of them because they make me mad in different ways, right? And I just get mad and mad and mad. And I realized, I mean, God, seriously, he, he was like, he made it clear to me, if you want more of me, you got to get that out of the way. So I blocked both those news sites. I can't open it up. I can't open Facebook on my phone anymore. I don't know if you know you can do that, but you can. And I got rid of all the little games that are on there, all the distractions. Now all I can do is listen to music and navigate, I guess. And I guess I can answer calls too. You can do that with phones these days, right? <laughs> but I mean, it was clear to me, you got to get that out of the way. I'm actually asked my D group to keep me accountable because I was like, I know that I need to do this. If I want more oil, this has, and you know, it's been amazing. He's been speaking to me in those quiet times. And how do you expect to hear from him if you never quiet yourself? You know, how do you expect to have a conversation with him throughout the day if you don't still yourself before him? If you don't have any space in your brain and in your life to listen. It's been really, really important to me. And I love what Elijah says. He says, now don't get just a few jars. Not just a few. Get all that you can find. Listen, you and I, we're, just, we're not honest with the abundance of God. I think, I think if we're honest, I think many of us, we think God's a bit of a miser, right? He's the God of just enough, right? That's not God, that's your grandma. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of overflow. How much food, when he fed 5,000, how much food did he bring? Was it just enough so that they have strength to get through the day? Or was it 12 baskets that were left over because they all had their fill and then some and they could go feed more people with it? So when Moses, if you look at this amazing, in Exodus, and Moses is building the tabernacle, how much gold and gems and skins and supplies did God bring so they could build the tabernacle? If you read it in Exodus, Moses, he has to make a law. And he says, okay, there's a new decree. No one in Israel is allowed to bring any more stuff because I don't know what to do with it all. He's not the God of just enough. When we bought that lane property here, how much money did God bring for it? Was it just enough? So, no, it was 1.5 times what we needed. One and a half of what we needed. Why? I don't know, but that's just how God is. And how much forgiveness does God bring you? You know, is it just enough forgiveness so I could just kind of squeeze into heaven like, oh, well, barely forgiven? 
Or is it enough forgiveness for every person who would look to them for all their sins? For you, all your sins that you have ever done, the sins that you are doing now and the sins that you are going to do to be completely covered for all time. How much love was it that God poured out on you? Just enough? It's like, yeah, I think God might like me. A little bit, right? Oh, if only you could grasp how wide and how high and how deep is the love of God the Father in Christ Jesus. And how much of his presence does he pour out on you? Just enough? Like, oh, maybe, maybe I could believe this. Seems like he might be real. Or is it so every burden can be cast on him? Every prayer about everything. And, and if that's not enough for you, that the Holy Spirit indwells within you at all times, is that not enough presence for us? And I look at the stars and I look at the mountains and I look at the streams and you know what I think? I think, God, it's overkill. I get it. You're big and you're amazing and you're powerful and you're beautiful and you're thoughtful and not just a little bit. And how much oil was it for the widow? Just enough to pay her debts? No, she's set for life. Go live on this. Taking care of what was, I'm gonna take care of what's ahead. See, but we think God's a miser. We say, well, I don't have everything I want. I didn't get everything I asked for. And I'm gonna tell you, you know what? I think a lot of that is that you and I, we're just chasing after little plastic trinkets. We're asking, looking for things like wealth, power, comfort, admiration. And he wants to pour out oil. He wants to pour out spirit and wisdom, righteousness and purity in his presence, his power on our lives. And you know what we need, church? We need more jars. We need bigger jars because we can't even contain it all. How can we hold it on? That woman, she should have got some more jars. She should have found some somehow, some way. And see, God's work, it is often limited by our expectations and our containers. And God says, go get a container. And we say, okay, well, here's my hydro flask, right? And he'll fill your hydro flask. But you know what he says? It's just like, ah, too bad. It's too bad that's all you brought because I had so much more I wanted to pour out on you. There's so much oil I wanted to put in, so much I wanted to do, and it just for it to overflow. And the church, listen, this church needs more vessels. People who'll say, okay, fill me to overflowing, Lord, so I can be a small group leader, I can be a discipler, so I'm ready to be poured out. God, just give us all that you've got so we can go forward in it and put it out to this world that's dying and hurting and hopeless. Lord, I want more, I want it all so I can give it away. See, but this is how the world is going through the next year. I've seen, you've seen this meme here. This is how most people think about this next year. Nobody claimed 2020 is your year. We're all gonna walk in real slow. We're gonna be good, be quiet, be cautious and respectful, and don't touch anything, right? Not me. I'm going in loud. I'm going in with large expectations. I'm going in with big dreams. I'm going in with a lot of hope. I'm going in with a lot of anticipation. I'm going in with a lot of joy. And I am expecting overflow to come through for my life. Now, is there going to be difficulty? Probably. 
Is there going to be strife? To be honest, I expect it. But in the middle of it, I am going to see the power of God, and I'm going to see the presence of God, and I'm going to see the oil of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing of God, and the joy of God taking me forward. And I'm going forward, and listen here, child of God, follower of Jesus Christ, you need bigger expectations for what God is going to do. You are going to be surprised by joy and surprised by power and surprised by the Spirit and surprised by His presence in the quiet place when you still yourself. And the word I have for you is the same word that God has for Israel in Psalm 81.10. And He says to you, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And maybe... Maybe we see him as a miser because we are so miserly. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough space. I don't have a priority. And you know what? That's all true if we're talking trinkets. But if we're talking about compassion, kindness, healing, freedom, the power of the Holy Spirit, Listen, show me one person in all of history who said, you know, I was going really well and then I just ran out of Holy Spirit. Not enough to go around. Now, I'll show you hundreds of people, thousands of people who God wanted to do more, but they didn't have expectations. They said, I guess God's not doing anything. And they just walked away as God just about to pour out the oil of heaven onto their lives to change everything he wants to do. Church, it is time. It is time for us to clear out the vessel and to remove the gunk and say, okay, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. It is time, church, for us to walk down the road where we are going and I'm heading for heaven and you could come with me or not, but boy, I sure hope you do. And it's time now for us just to sit and soak him in in expectation of his generosity and his anointing oil and his blessing and his favor and his provision. And church, it is time, listen, it is time this year not to be quiet and be afraid, but it is time for you to be poured out. It is time for you to pour it out. And it is time for you to pour it out. And as you pour it out, watch as he keeps just pouring it back in. And it comes, and it comes to overflowing. And that is what God has for us this year. That is what God has for you because you are his child and the world goes crazy. But just like Elisha and those prophets, you are kept in him. You are secure in him. You are helped by him. His loving eye is on you. And he has an amazing purpose and an amazing plan that this world is desperate for you to give. So please pour it out. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you give us new wineskins Lord because we want new wine Lord we want new oil and Lord I pray that you would speak to each of us and that you would remove those things in the bottom Lord that are just in the way of the fullness and Lord forgive us for our petty tiny small faithless expectations And God, we're going to get as many jars as we can find because you are a God of abundance. You are a God who watches over his children. You are a God of overflowing. And so, Lord, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, Lord, how to soak you in. Teach us how to be quiet before you, to come away with you. And Lord, as we do that, as we draw near to you, fill us up, Lord, to overflowing into this world. Lord, for the glory of the Father, to the praise of Jesus, for the sake of your wonderful name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.